Hi, welcome to the Live Scent podcast, a podcast from First Baptist Arlington. I'm your host, Ashley Berryhill. And I'm your other host, Luke Stair. On Live Scent, we have conversations about living as faithful witnesses of God's kingdom here and around the world. We are glad you joined us. And so we hope that these discussions about life as faithful witnesses will inspire you to see your world, culture, and relationships in a new light. In this episode, we are talking about missional habits, and our overall purpose is really to live a questionable life that prompts our neighbors to question, to ask, why are you living this way? So that we can give them gracious answers about Jesus. So yes. let's talk about the habits of blessing people, the B. We're going to talk. start with bells. We're going to do B, blessing. So our goal with the habit of blessing is to bless three people every week. A church member, someone who's not a Christian, and then someone from either category. So either church member or a non-Christian. So that's the habit for the week. Okay. So let's define blessing. Great idea. It's freely given with no strings attached. Yes. Okay. And it really means that you're blessing in, in some way you're going to lighten someone's load. Mm. Okay. The early Christians had a habit of caring for others. So in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, and let me read what Paul is encouraging um, this church. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have every opportunity, let us do good to all people, Mm. especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That's right. So... In case you didn't know, the New Testament and the early church surprised the world continually with their generosity, their care, and their willingness to personally encounter and care for those that the rest of society just deemed untouchable. Um, There's actually a point in early church history where the Roman Empire has become jealous of the fact that Christians are basically winning so many people over to Christ, and they're leaving paganism behind that they try to basically bring about a pagan version of this kind of care that Christians were doing. But it didn't work because the pagan religions just weren't set up to cause you to care for your neighbor. Hmm. Um, And it really just threw people for a loop. So to most people in that early world, the care of Christians for orphans, widows, the poor, unemployed, asylum seekers, and prisoners was just really unusual. It was a revolutionary and countercultural force that transformed the lives of everyone it touched. Um, And so when we talk about blessing others, it's an attempt to really live into the way that the early church lived and the way that Paul is encouraging Christians to live. It's meant to propel us outward into the lives of our neighbors and the people in our community. It's a chance to follow Paul's encouragement to do good to all people every time we have an opportunity, especially to those in the family of faith who doesn't want to serve people in their church. Um, So if you're attentively looking for opportunities to care for others and lighten their loads, then you're just going to find yourself in conversations with people who are curious about your generosity. Uh, And in doing so, you're going to have that opportunity to gossip the gospel. Right. So when you're blessing others, you might find yourself just engaging uh, with people on the margins, people who um, our culture may devalue as well. Um, you may find yourself a little uncomfortable. What's going to happen? It's not going to be a smooth thing. And you've got to nope. be ready for awkward moments. But 
there That's now. okay. That's okay. Um, so you want to find yourself blessing your next door neighbor who shares your social class and status um, as, as well. As well as people as, who don't. That's right. So both are all good. Um, so why do we bless people? And I love this um, example, Luke. Um, a researcher examined the efforts of a short-term missionaries in Thailand, and they had one group who were des designated as blessers who simply went with the intention to bless whomever they could in whatever way they could. Then the other group were the converters who went in with the sole intention of sharing the gospel message with everyone they met. Again, we don't want to say that that's bad. Um, there is a specific time and context for that. But the research found that the blessers had a higher level of impact. Isn't that mm, fascinating? It is. And we're able to bring almost 50 times as many people to Christ. That's 50, not 15. Like five zero. Five zero. Yes. Um, and so, wow. I yeah. mean, I think that should be eye-opening. I think that also... Um, Here's an example of something that our church does. When um, in Sierra Leone, we have a dentist named Dr. Gabriel, and he treats any patients um, that has dental issues. He's one of 12 dentists in the nation. And so in he, the nation. In the nation, okay? And so he will, he usually gets cases sometimes that government hospitals don't know what to do with. They're gonna leave these people to die from a tooth infection that has just gone on and on and it's it's horrible. He comes and he treats them. Doesn't matter if they're what they believe, but he's going to bless them with treatment at a very low cost or no cost. Mm. And so when they get done with treatment, he's able to share why, why he was able to treat them the good news of Christ, who is really the ultimate healer. But, um, and I think that's just no matter what their responses to the news. Again, we have to remember it's not our job to convert. God turns the hearts right. of man. God right? does it. Yeah. But um, it's a way we need to bless the people. We need to bless a nation. And so that's one way to do it. And it's the blessing people that opens the doors for these conversations to Correct. happen. Um, so I want to kind of just give some ideas of roughly three ways, three basic ways that you can bless people. Uh, they're very simple. Some of these will more naturally suit others uh, than other styles. But there's words of affirmation, which is where you simply encourage someone. Um, in the five love language, five love languages, Gary Chapman says that uh, encouragement or these words of affirmation requires empathy and seeing the world from another's perspective. So mm. first, you have to learn what's important to the other person. If you're going to encourage someone, you have to understand them. And only then can you really encourage them. And so with a verbal encouragement or words of affirmation, what we're trying to do is communicate, I know, I care, I'm with you, how can I help? And we're trying to show that we believe in the person and his or her abilities. Yeah. So words of affirmation, very basic way. You can say it, you can write a card, you can send an email, you can send a text. It's very simple. Yeah. Um, another um, act is an acts of kindness. So what's something kind you can do for someone else? Is there a way you can meet a need for someone in your network or your relationships? Be maybe something simple as mowing someone's lawn, babysitting for free from, uh, for a family that's just exhausted, <laughs> may need extra sleep or need a date night, help a neighbor with a chore. Essentially, what's a way you can offer practical assistance to someone 
and hopefully deepen your relationship with the other person. You want to be able to view that other person as a whole person. Mm. Again, we want to be careful not to become just doers of something like check right. the box. I've done, I've done an act of kindness. Well, and what really fits a need. Right. Exactly. But you also, that posture of seeing the whole person. And then the third very basic way is by giving gifts. Um, So gifts show that we value someone, that we think about them. um, And a good gift has the potential to communicate a very high level of care and thoughtfulness. And it doesn't have to be expensive Mm -hmm. or grand, but put some thought into it in such a way that communicates that you intentionally gave a gift. Um, and gift giving can be tricky. I mean, you don't want to give a bad gift. Right. So again, try to understand the person that you're giving a gift to. I think probably all of us at some point or another in life have received a bad gift and it's sitting at the top of our closet, hidden away behind <laughs> five other things. Or, or re-gifted. Or re-gifted, or it's going to turn up at that white elephant gift exchange mm-hmm. come Christmas. So we want to give good gifts, not bad gifts, because a bad gift can become a burden, yeah. uh, which is the opposite of what we want. Exactly. Now, here's a word of caution. We need to make sure we aren't blessing people in a manipulative way. Okay. Right. We Our blessing should be a free gift. No strings attached. That's right. There's nothing expected in return. And yes, the gospel propels us toward people in the hopes that they will encounter Jesus. But that's not why we're blessing them. That's not why we're giving these good gifts. Okay? So why are we blessing? Because we are a people of people of God. Yeah. We've been given love and we need to give love. That's right. Uh, and God's God's love is given freely and so should ours. That's exactly right. And like I said earlier, God is the one who turns the heart of man, mm-hmm. not us. So we are just the living messenger. Okay? That's right. So the goal is to become a generous and kind person and that will naturally lend itself to opening doors for sharing Christ. But intentionality is key. Yes. And so Jesus sees everyone. He sees the whole person. And so let's be like Jesus. Bless others in such a way that it's attentive to the needs, fears, hopes, and desires of our neighbors so that they are blessed appropriately. And it's not about us and perception. I think that's something that we Mm. have to fight a lot. I have to fight a lot about that with that. I struggle with that. It's not about perception. I'm going to do this out of a genuine love and hope that, I mean, I love my neighbor and I hope that they'd see Christ, but I'm going to be this witness no matter what. Right. Um, so sometimes I have, I'm so busy that I don't do this well. And so I have to intentionally slow down. I have to pray. I have to intently listen um, to God. And then I do something. And sometimes my praying and listening will, can take days, to be honest. Yeah. And that is another habit that we're going to talk about yeah. in the next episode. Um, so again, reminder for the blessed habit, you want to bless three people every week. Someone who's a part of your church, someone who's not a Christian, and then someone from either category with the intention of just being a generous person because God has been generous to you. And so with that, we're going to talk about about the next habit, which is eat, uh, my yeah. favorite habit. So uh, in the gospel, in the gospels, there are three, the son of man came statements and the first two. Uh, are the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's Mark 10, 45. The second is the son of man came to seek and save the lost, which is Luke nineteen ten. And there's a third. Uh, 
And it's a little bit different from the first two, which identify the purpose for Christ's coming. The third almost tells us more of the how. So how did Christ accomplish what he came to do? And it's from Luke 7:34, and it's the son of man came eating and drinking. Um, so I don't know if you know this, that Jesus in the gospel of Luke, especially is often accused of being a glutton and a drunkard um, because he's yeah. basically in the gospel of Luke, either going to a meal at a meal or leaving a meal. Um, that's it's just fascinating. Most of what Jesus does in the gospel yeah. of Luke. Um, so Jesus's ministry revolves heavily around eating and drinking with people at the table. So that's going to shape wow. the habit we do. Okay. So, I mean, he was communal, he eating and drinking, we'll be eating a lot with people. So, um, Tim Chester in the, um, he wrote a meal with Jesus states, Jesus didn't run projects, establish ministries, create programs, or put on events. He ate meals. And if you routinely share meals and you have a passion for Jesus, then you'll be doing mission. Because, again, when we're passionate and joyous, we can't help but overflow. Can't help but share. And so um, it's not that the meals save people. People are saved through the gospel message. But meals will create a natural opportunity to share that message in a context that resonates powerfully with what you're saying. So because of that, we want you to share a table with three people this week. Again, mm-hmm. someone who is a church member, someone who's not a Christian, and then someone from either category. Um, so three people every week. You eat 21 meals a week, seven, yeah, 21 meals a week, seven days a week, three meals a day. Yeah. You should be eating breakfast if you're not. Uh, (laughs) So maybe you don't eat 21 meals a week. Maybe you only eat 14. But share a table with people. Jesus ate with people all the time. And he ate with people that the Jewish religious establishment of his day had rejected. And he he ate with them anyway. So when you eat with people, you might find yourself sharing a table with people who in no way share your beliefs, your convictions, your customs, your culture. Anything. Don't yeah. be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. I mean, it's gonna, it can be awkward. It can get messy. But what you need to do is lean in into this. Um, lean into what God is wanting to do through you. And by just presenting yourself to a table with food, with other people around, you're already taking the, the big step yeah. forward. And so something that you need to note, like when you start gathering people around the table, you're going to be asked to gather around their tables too, mm-hmm. which is great. It is great. It forms relationships. Hospitality goes both ways. It does. And so one thing that you need to be careful of is not to judge the lifestyle of anybody around that table, how they're eating, what they're doing, just the habits of your host. But you need to see this with the lens of an opportunity for a relationship because God loves those people. He loved you, and now you are set free. He loves those people too. Um, You also need to um, be ready to eat what's served before you. It can be hard to do. It can be very hard to do. Especially if you're picky. If you're a picky eater and or if you're eating um, other ethnic foods that you've never tried before or things that you I've, I've eaten a lot of things that I probably that would have. not chosen to eat. One <laughs> um, just as an example, uh, one of one thing that I've done in, in the past in my history is um, I was working with an ethno tourism company who would bring college students 
into um, homes of island fishermen, majority Islamic nation, and we would go into these homes and we would spend the night for five nights in these homes and we would just share life. We'd get to talk, we would get to understand what Islam meant to them and what it meant to be a fisherman in this, in this part of the world. And we would get to share truths of Jesus as well. But we ate what they gave us. Mm-hmm. And we ate it graciously. Yes. Even though if we didn't like it. Right. You always need to eat it graciously. We have a very simple saying in our family, uh, raising small children, and uh, we tell our kids frequently, you don't yuck someone's yum. <laughs> that's uh, good. I so love it. If you're being offered food that's unfamiliar to you, you don't yuck someone's yum. Mm-hmm. So I think you and I both have some of these experiences. I remember I lived with a family in Copenhagen, Denmark, and I remember one of the first meals I ate in the country uh, was a plate, and it had a very simple piece of Danish rye bread, which is just seeds somehow glued together by flour. Uh-huh. And it was topped with pickled curried herring. I've never had that. And that was breakfast. I don't think I would choose that. I wouldn't choose it either. Uh, but I ate it, uh, and I've had pickled herring more times than I would like to, but I've had it. And I've eaten it, and I've said thanks, and I've had conversations around the table. And that's their that's their language. I mean, food can be a language, too. Right. And whenever you start eating the food, you're communicating a lot you to are. the host. Communicates love. Yes. So another thing I want to point out is that when Jesus ate with people and when he invited people to eat with them, we talked a little bit about not judging the lifestyle of others. Mm. You know, Jesus invited Zach. Jesus didn't invite Zacchaeus to dinner. He said, I'm coming to your house for dinner. He just told him. He just told him. Um, I don't recommend that strategy for anyone (laughs) necessarily. Jesus can get away with some more things that we can't. But he didn't expect Zacchaeus to get his life together before he came to dinner. Mm, I like that. Jesus offers communion to people before he expects them to follow him. Say that one more time, Luke. So Jesus offers communion to people before he expects them to change or to follow him. And what do you mean by communion? Fellowship, relationship, presence. Mm. So you may eat with someone who, again, in no way shares what you believe, uh, but you shouldn't expect them to start following Jesus before you offer them that fellowship. Mm. We offer that first because Jesus offers it first. Right. Now, you may get in these conversations when you're around the table, or maybe you're sitting on the floor. I mean, depending on where you're at, you could be sitting on the floor eating um, with your friends. Um, They may ask you questions that you just don't know the answers to. How do you handle that? Be honest. It's okay. You're human. You're human. And so when you get questions about faith that come up, it's a good opportunity for you to reflect on what you really believe. Go back to scripture. Ask those around you, your mentors, um, and deep dive into just knowing Christ. And sometimes it's a good opportunity to invite them into the struggle and say, let's, let's go look at this together. Right. Again, keep rooted in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's also important to recognize that if you're eating with people who aren't Christians or just in conversation with people who aren't Christians, they're somewhere on a journey of faith and they're somewhere in a relationship to faith. And so these guys named Don Everts and Doug Shop, who I believe worked for uh, Campus Crusade, now Crew, 
And they're working with thousands and thousands of college students over the years developed uh, what they called a postmodern path to faith. And I found it to be a really helpful framework for thinking about people and their relationship to the gospel. It is. Um, and so instead of being steps, it's kind of a series of movements uh, that are kind of summarized around some basic attitudes towards faith. So the first stage of this, and this is kind of what you're working to overcome in people, is people may not even trust Christians. So for many people, the first move to faith is just getting to the point where they can say that Christians are okay and aren't out to get me. So it's a move from tr distrust to trust. And that's a huge step. It is a huge step. So, you know, sometimes we have this mindset, Luke, that somebody's already at, let's do a scale, a sliding scale from zero to five. Somebody's at a zero um, in their faith journey. And then, you know, they become a follower of Jesus and they, they move on. But sometimes people, we forget there's a negative, there's a negative scale. Right. And so when you're, sometimes we're you're just getting people about, to zero. That's exactly right. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. So you may have just the work of getting that person to just being okay with Christians being in their life. Mm-hmm. But that's a huge step for the gospel. It is. It is. So the next step for many people is from complacency to curiosity. So Jesus is interesting. Jesus might have some good things to say. Yeah. He's an interesting person. And that's a good move too. And then it's from curiosity to being open. So going from just Jesus is interesting to maybe Jesus could be for me. Maybe I could try this on. Right. Uh, and then from a meandering to seeking. So going from Jesus could be for me to Jesus is worth taking seriously. What he says matters. And then from seeking to joining, I will turn to Jesus. And then from joining to growing, help me live like Jesus. So the people you're encountering through your blessing and eating are going to be anywhere along the spectrum Yes. And it's not necessarily your job to get them from distrusting to turning to Jesus and definitely not in one conversation. That could happen. Miracles happen. The That's spirit right. moves. But it may be your responsibility that, that God has given you just to take that person from distrust to trust. And that is maybe enough for what you do. So think about this whenever you're, you're arranging your week. Be intentional to set times that you're going to eat with people. Who are you going to eat with? And if you don't have anybody that's not a believer in your life who doesn't follow Jesus, you need to find you need to place yourself in those communities. Turns out it's really hard to share the gospel if you don't know non-Christians. That's exactly right. So, and we should always be um, immersed around people who do not know the gospel because we are lit, we're supposed to be witnesses that propelling. Um, uh, you know, living a lifestyle that propels us forward to be those witnesses in the life of our community with, I mean, not only within our church body or in other, with other believers, but God loves the unbeliever too. Yeah. We've talked a lot about eating with unbelievers, but the flip side of this habit is that we're also eating with people from our church. Mm. Can you imagine just the kind of community our church would have if everyone in our church shared a meal with someone else in our church every week. Just what does that do for our fellowship? Yeah, that would be amazing. I think it's also the sharpening each other. You know, we sharpen each other whenever we're, we're we get to know each other. We can lean on each other. We um, we care for one another, and that's also how the world 
when they're looking at the church, they want to know, how are you caring for each other? Right. Mm -hmm. So this week, we want you to, and every week, we want you to eat with three people. Someone who's a part of our church, someone who's not a Christian, and then someone from either category. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about the habits of listening and learning. All right. Thank you, Luke. Thanks. Thanks.